Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, Seattle. All right, Puget Sound. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. It's Saturday night, 6 p.m. It's time to fill your glass with something great. Whether it's wine, beer, spirits, cocktails, um, great food, you put your food in your glass, you have a good time. We're going to have a great show today. Uh, I've got uh, two icons of Washington wine, and actually Northwest wine, and well, worldwide wine, because Jean-Francois Pellet, who's the winemaker for Pepper Bridge in Walla Walla, as well as Amavi in Walla Walla, and is uh, actually Swiss-born, speaks many languages, he's in town. and well, it's pouring some great wines, of course, recent vintages and some brand new stuff. And uh, the the newest member of the big Seattle media, and he's been doing it for about a year and a half now. Andy Purdue's in here in, in studio, and he's a wine writer, the the new uh, wine columnist for the Seattle Times, which is great because he's got about two hundred twenty five thousand subscribers that read his uh, his insights and tips and how to enjoy the the world of wine, um, faces, names, places, and of course vineyards and and the great juice. And uh, we had. Had a great time last weekend at the auction of Washington wines. I saw Andy and I saw JF there, or Jean Francois, um, making a lot of money for the, uh, well, of course, the Washington State Viticultural Center and the uh, Children's Hospital. So I'm going to welcome Andy Perdue and Jean Francois. Bienvenue uh, to Happy Hour. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Good to have you guys. We had a great weekend at the auction of Washington Wines, the, the big event at Chateau Saint-Michel, and uh, you had some, some great pouring lots, some great donations, and of course we always appreciate that. It's good to see our community come together and have a great time. It's all for us then, isn't it? It was meeting the people. Yeah, it was a great event. So, uh, Andy, we're going to talk with you, and tell us about your history. You uh, were the uh, founder and editor of Wine Press Northwest Magazine, which is located in the Tri-Cities. You ventured off. You uh, uh, do some wine um, evaluation programs, some competitions uh, in Idaho and Oregon and Pacific Northwest, of course. So tell us, give us a little bit of your resume. Sure. Well, I, I grew up over in the Kitsap Peninsula and went to school up in Bellingham after that, and then I moved east to the mountains and had a two-year plan to spend a little time over there and then get back to the right side of the state and uh it's now been 26 years and i don't think i'm going to make it back so uh, uh I've, I've worked in the newspaper industry the last 30 years uh worked in places such as port townsend and wenatchee and down in arizona and, and then i've been in tri-cities uh since the late 80s and uh about 1998 uh eric Degerman and i came up with this idea for a wine magazine it was owned by the the newspaper uh, but we got to do it and uh, kind of made us wine experts over the years. So we did that through 2012 when we left to start our own business. Yeah, it's so it's exciting because that was really uh, the first premier wine, dedicated wine uh, media. I mean, we really didn't have much. We had the weekly stuff from, of course, uh, John Stokely, or Tom Stokely and uh, uh, Paul Greggett. Um, but now to have a magazine that included much more is, is fantastic. Because I know that as a columnist, you're limited to word count, right? Yeah, the uh, my my Seattle Times columns are about 500 words. Uh, Eric and I also uh, own a website. It's called Great Northwest Wine, and there we don't really have a word count, so we can write as long as we want. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep scrolling down. Well, Jean Francois, you've been in the wine industry since when? Give us a little history. I know, of course, you're from Switzerland, but you you sound like you're French. 
Well, I'm from the French part of Switzerland. Uh, so I just grew up uh, just between Geneva and Lausanne, along the Lac Lemon, which everybody calls Lac Geneva. I got my first degree in viticulture. I'm a third generation wine growers. I uh, went back to school, got a green wine making, and I started traveling. I worked in Germany. I worked two years in Spain, in Romilia. Then travel took me to Napa Valley. I worked four years with Heights Wine Cellars, and in 1999, I moved to the Walla Walla Valley. Wow. I had no idea that uh, you had that extensive a wine career. I knew that you make great wine because I love Pepper Bridge and Amavi and uh, some other things that you've dabbled in, which is <laughs> really tasty as well. Well, that's quite the career, and yet you are still a young man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You I are. Am. Yes. And uh, Walla Walla is a still young wine region, of course, dating back to uh, the early, the late seventies, I guess it were, when uh, um, Figgins and seventy-seven when 77, Gary went yeah. commercial, and um, eighty-one when Rick Small with Woodward Canyon went commercial. So it's exciting to have, uh, of course. Well, you're now an Easterner, aren't you, Andy? Because you're you're based in the Tri-Cities, twenty-six years. You've really got. Well, you're much paler for being in the sunshine over there. You still look like a Seattleite. Northern European, so I don't think I'm going to get any darker. Ah, so fun. (laughs) Well, um, let's talk about uh, Washington State uh, wine history. Um, Andy, give us some insight. You know, just capsulize it. Let me know. Tell me about your perspective on how we started and where we are today. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story, because just the other day I traveled to an old, old vineyard, actually on the side of the mountains, and it was over in Mason County, so... You have to take the Bremerton Ferry and then drive south toward Shelton. And I found a vine, a grape vine, that was planted in 1872. And it's still there. It's still producing a few clusters. The deer always get it. But that was really the genesis of the Washington wine industry. And that predates statehood by more than 15 years. That's amazing. And I was just driving south last week, and I, I crossed a, uh, I saw a sign for Napa Vine, which is an interesting name because it was actually going to the west. And I, I've never been to Napa Vine. I don't know if any Washingtonians listening out there. But where where exactly? Was this vineyard have a name, or this one vine have a name? Was this the, the God Vine? or? Well, it's it's actually a, uh, not a vinifera variety. It's called Island Bell. Oh, and, yeah, Island uh, Bell. You've heard of Island Bell. And it's it's actually in the town of Grapeview. Uh-huh. So, uh, so that was, and, and at one time, this little island called Stretch Island, which is like 370 acres, had about 300 acres of vines on it. Now it's covered with homes and tree, t- very tall trees, and maybe five or six acres of vines left, and they're kind of mostly just growing wild. But it was kind of cool to see this, this, this little vine that was left from 1872, and then also on that property is the the first winery in Washington after Prohibition called St. Charles Winery. Oh, I didn't and know that. that was started. That was started by the father of the first winemaker for Saint Michel. Really? Yeah. Who was the first winemaker then? Well, his, his name was uh, let's see, was it Bill Bill Summers? And he was he was a winemaker for Saint Michel. I'm sorry, Howard Summers. It was his brother Howard. He was a winemaker for for American wine growers when they came out with the Saint Michel label in '67. So. He he was there on the ground making those first St. Michelle wines. In American oak? White American oak. White right? American oak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's a great story. And Island Bell, of course, is a white grape, correct? No, no. It's it's a, it's one of the few red grapes grown on this side. It's, oh. And it also goes by the name of Campbell's Early. Uh, so it's a, I think it's a North, North American variety. Hmm. And uh, the the grapes are, I'm, I'm holding up, the, it looks like a half dollar. These These grapes are big. They look like Concord grapes. And uh, and they're actually they're actually turning red already, which is amazing for this side of the state. 
Oh wow! It is well. We've had the most fantastic summer three years in a row now. So we're we love it as Seattleites. Uh, the bluest sky and the blue angels. Well, that's a great story because w- what we want to find out is um, what you realize is that there's areas of the state that have names related to grapes and vines. I mean, so this is part of our uh, agriculture that goes way way back. And Jean Francois, when you are in Switzerland, tell us about some of the the areas of because we don't think of Swiss wine much. But you were there in the French part of the Switzerland. So tell us how you kind of got into third-generation winemaking. Yeah, actually, Switzerland is a little more acres than people think. We have about 35,000 acres of vines. But as as the Swiss are really good to export chocolate or clocks or other things, they've never been very good on exporting wine. And actually, most of the wine is consumed locally. So, uh, matter of fact, the consumption, uh, the production cover only about a third of the consumption. So Really? Yeah. Well, I, I see a business opportunity almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you got dual citizenship, maybe? Uh, no, I'm still Swiss, actually. Actually, yeah, I hold a green card. Uh, of course, of course. Well, in in, in Switzerland, there's two. There's many different uh, what AOCs or AOPs, which you call them, in the Valais and the Vaud. Yeah, are those two are region. regions. This is, yeah, this is actually state. It's like you know, you know, Washington oh. and Napa. But uh, yeah, those are the. Valley is actually the biggest, you know, state, and Vaud is the second where I'm from. So, yeah, most of the vineyards on the French side. So interesting. Coming from um, you, a stint in Germany, were you doing uh, red grapes or were you doing white grapes? You know, I live in the Pfalz in 1984, which the Pfalz had a really harsh time. Uh, it was very a, a renaissance for them. They, it was very at that time that they found methanol and some Italian wine oh. and they also find some uh, propylene glycol in wine it oh, was right from uh, big issue so, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. but they had all you know the German Austria. are the best of crossing varietal between white and red and everything so we had not hundreds but a lot of different varietal yeah, well, there's there's a great education there in Germany. They take yes. pride in, in the academic side of viticulture. Yeah, the School of Geisenheim is very well known worldwide. Yes, so. that's we talk about that. That's on a test somewhere in in my yeah. sommelier certifications. Well, um, being a state of of Riesling, we're we're known for Riesling, and it, it almost seems that Riesling has overcome the red varieties that we've grown because it, we're so proud that this often a twelve dollar wine gets great scores and great great evaluation and recognized around the world, even through Riesling Rendezvous, which I think we've both all been to. Andy, tell me about your take on the Washington profiles of grapes. Are, are we Should we be chasing Riesling because we do it well, or should we really be t- focusing on something else or all of it? I, I think all of it. You know, the, the One of the great things about Washington is also one of its biggest struggles, and that is what, what does Washington grow well? It grows everything well. You know, and, and we're even now seeing Pinot Noir being grown in very high quality in the Ancient Lakes area, which is a kind of that cool area between George and Quincy, uh, which uh, for those of you uh, who haven't been east of the mountains very much, those are two small towns in, in the basin. Uh, <laughs> Enough residents? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think George is named after George Washington, so uh, there, there even used to be a Martha's Cafe there with some great apple pie. Ah, so uh, fun. But uh, I, I, I love Riesling. I'm, um, what I love about Riesling is you can go from this very, very dry wine to one of the sweetest wines on earth, and you have everything in between, and, and it's so versatile. It's so good with food that it's hard not to love Riesling. And it's gotten a bad rap over the decades, primarily, uh, you know, the the Germans kind of doing it to themselves with things like Black Tower and Blue Nun, which, you know, some of those weren't even Rieslings, but everybody got the perception that they, that Riesling is only a sweet wine and it, and it's not it's very dynamic so 
I love Riesling. I also love the fact that we grow Cabernet as well as we do. I love the fact that we have Malbec and Merlot and Syrah and Chardonnay and uh, Sauvignon We're still Blanc. learning, aren't we? We're still oh, learning oh, about yeah. it. Oh, the, we're 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 barely in the in the infant stage yet. And JF, a lot of that's happening in Walla Walla too. What do you what do you got going out there, or your perception? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with Sandy. You know, the state of Washington is a big state. First of all, yes, I mean, coming is. from Switzerland, I think it's four or five times the size of, of size of Switzerland. So we do have a lot of different microclimate, and you know, from Ancient Lake to uh, Walla Walla, we are definitely on the hotter side, but definitely not the hottest. Obviously, horse have been else. <laughs> Walla Slope is a way hotter in terms of heat unit. Um, right our AVA actually we just did an inventory we're just finishing this finally right now it looks like we have about 27 to 2800 acres of vineyards I just saw numbers this morning so uh, interesting enough 58 you know the the interesting part of the water wall AVA is goes between two boundaries between Oregon yes. and Washington so it seems like according to this survey just finished right now 58 percent of vineyards on Washington State and 42 on Oregon State right now. So, okay, so we're still winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but everybody in, uh, who owns vineyards on the wa- Oregon side are, are all in Washington anyways. Exactly. So for the most part. I'm surprised the or- more Oregonians haven't gotten into that whole area. They're starting to figure it out. Uh, Willamette Valley Vineyards recently purchased some some land up at Savane, which is on the Oregon side, and they're going to they're gonna be growing some great Bordeaux varieties to go along with their Pinot Noirs from the Willamette Valley. Well, I see that, John, so you brought some wines. Tell us what, you, what wines you brought that so, we'll get a taste today. So I brought a new wine for Pepper Ridge Winery. As, as I told you, I grew up in Switzerland making white wines, so I make a semillon under the Amavi label, but today I brought a second vintage Sauvignon Blanc from, uh, from Pepper Bridge. So uh, it's 100% Sauvignon Blanc from two estate vineyards for us, which is Seven Hills and Le Colline. I'm excited to taste that because, of course, great red, wine, great red wine producers often need a white wine to go with those wonderful dinners that you do. So we come back from this break. We're going to dive into uh, this lovely second vintage Sauvignon Blanc from uh, Pepper Bridge and Jean-Francois Pellet. And also talk more with Andy Perdue, who is the, uh, what's your title, the wine columnist? Wine columnist for the Seattle Times. And executive president, director of uh, I'm, Great I'm, Northwest. I'm the editor and publisher of Great Northwest Wine. Yeah, we can find it. you got a website, right? Yep, greatnorthwestwine.com. Awesome. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to taste some wine. We're going to have some fun and talk more about Washington wine right here on Happy Hour Radio. So if you miss any of these shows, don't forget, we got a website. It's happyhourradio.net. Stick around. We'll be right back on 570 KBI. Hi, this is John Bookwalter with J. Bookwalter Wines. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KBI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, time for round two. So put something new in that glass, because I've got a beautiful glass of white wine here, courtesy of Jean-Francois Pellet. Uh, winemaker, director of winemaking for Amavi, Sellers in Walla Walla, and uh, Pepper Bridge, of course. And, of course, uh, the uh, the esteemed, astute wine reference, the uh, the Andypedia. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, Annie Perdue, the wine columnist for Seattle Times, and of course, uh, editor and publisher of GreatNorthwestWine.com. Um, you do some wonderful writing and promotion of, of all Northwest wines, so I'm thrilled to have you in studio, and also thrilled to taste the second vintage of Jean-Francois Pepperbridge Sauvignon Blanc. So what do we got in the glass? We got Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> so this is, um, this is 100% Sauvignon Blanc. And several different methods of you know fermentation. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we want to do something a little bit uh, richer. You know, I, we, I'm not a pro fan of the cat pee kind of characters. No, you know? yeah, me neither. So uh, not much cat pee here, but obviously we don't want to have too ripe. You know, 14 was the hottest year on record. Till now. Like, till now, exactly. 15 again. Is, it, 15 is going to Har- beat it up. <laughs> Harvest started uh, the first week of August. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're going to be picking that similar wine probably in a week from now. So it was twenty-one-eight in the in the vineyard yesterday. So mm. yeah. Wow. Well, uh, quite an expressive Sauvignon Blanc. I'm really pleased that you made it in this style, where you get the bright acidity from stainless steel. You get a little texture from, I'm going to say, some neutral barrel or something. Kev, it's the winemaking profile here. Yeah, we also get the texture. We did a little bit of a maceration as well, meaning like uh, crush. Not much, but crush the stem and then kind of macerate the grapes with the skin a little bit, which really helped a little bit of uh, increasing the mouthfeel. So, yeah. Andy, uh, did you take a sip yet? I did. I, I love the mouth weight on this. It, it, you can tell that this has a little bit more richness, a little more thicker uh, character than a lot of Sauvignon Blancs. And I'll, and I'll say that, you know, a few years ago I didn't hold out much hope for Washington Sauvignon Blanc. It seemed like it lost its way a little bit with winemakers, but it seems like we're starting to get some character back and it and Sauvignon Blanc goes so well with f- fresh northwest seafood and yep. and this is a great example i wish we had some scallops right now too <laughs> i agree <laughs> me too who's out there cooking scallops for dinner or for uh, appetizers um i think this is a beautiful one myself and I, I agree with you andy i think washington state is has sort of try to follow the trend of new zealand i know that a big company here has made a special wine to mimic that particular uh play, flavor profile but um to have I think the classic Sauvignon Blancs, of course, there's Sancerre from Loire Valley and, and Bordeaux, which was the blend. So this is 100% Sauvignon Blanc. 100% Sauvignon Now, did you, did you, your second vintage, so did this change much from the first vintage? A little bit. Uh, it's a little bit, maybe a little higher acid, a little bit drier. But but it's not that much. Actually, I like the the flavor profile. Um, we're just kind of refining a little bit, you know. it's uh, We also, uh, it's a combination of used French oak, Stainless steel, but also concrete. We bought a concrete egg, and this also helped actually quite a bit in the mouthfeel as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hard-boiled egg, the yeah, concrete exactly, egg, huh? Exactly. And how much wine can you produce in that? Is that this was three hundred cases, so not a huge production. So that's a but in the egg, what what is that? Oh, uh, the egg we have is actually the worst, one hundred eighty gallon, three barrels. Oh, yeah. okay. But you can get them in different sizes. So. And where are the vineyards for this? Uh? So this is mostly seven hills with a little bit of a mm. Lake Colleen as well. So the seven hills for us is kind of the hottest part of the valley. Get about eight inches of rainfall. Usually pick about two, three weeks prior. And the Lake Colleen sit right on the bottom of the Blue Mountain. A little more rainfall, about 22 inches. A little cooler side. So it's a good combination. That's a lot more rainfall. Yeah, a lot 18, more. Uh, 22 to 8. About three times more, yep. yeah. Yeah. Well, Andy, speaking of uh, uh, fermentation vehicles and vessels, what have you seen as a trend here in Washington? Oh, I think that the trend is anything goes. <laughs> uh, I was talking to the to the head winemaker at Columbia Crest, and he's he's wanted to do some some out there things, and and he wants to just experiment. And you mm-hmm. know, people are trying. I think the the one of the hot things right now you've probably seen these are the the barrels that you rotate during fermentation. Yep. You actually have a handle that 
oops, handle that you uh, <laughs> that you turn around uh, and and a, I, I've seen Charlie Hoppus and a few other guys are doing that now. So. Is that the bunghole actually as well, or is that a different sort of setup? No, no, it is. A, it's a puncheon, which is about 500 liters, oh. and you pop the head, fill it, and actually some actually have a big hole enough, then you can fill the clusters in it, and you just rotate. So you yeah. don't have to pump over nothing, you just rotate it. Yeah, it's way. instead of pump yeah. overs. And, and then yeah. we're seeing all kinds of different pump overs. Interesting. Uh, there's, this, this is an exciting time because... So much uh, uh, technology is coming into it, so many different techniques. And, and thanks to modern communications, everybody is learning what everybody else is doing, and everybody's willing to try new things. And even better is people who love wine are willing to try these things. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing so many different styles of wine now that, and so many different varieties that nobody was willing to try back in the old anything but you know, Chardonnay days. Uh, that it's just an exciting time. People are willing to try... Sauvignon Blanc. People are willing to try Chasla, if you can find one. We were just talking about that on the break. Uh, and, and these different varieties that uh, are very exciting. Tempranillo and Malbec and Petit Verdot and uh, and it just goes on and on and on. It's an exciting time. Well, JF, tell me, do you have a chance, I mean, I, I imagine, Andy, you taste literally 3,000 wines a year. Yeah, maybe a little more than that. More than so, that. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? I, I don't have a chance to taste that many, but I definitely try to taste as much as I can. So I do a fair amount of marketing, so I travel. So I, as, as mm-hmm. every time I have a chance to taste, I also would buy a lot of wine from our distributors, just kind of have them to you know, send sure. me cases just to see. So, yes, I do at least open one ball a day and just try one. <laughs> so at least 365, huh? Like, no, but, uh, you know, we actually also part of a, a tasting group. Uh, sometimes a little hectic with some of our schedule and everything, but we, we do taste as much as we can. And obviously, we love Washington wines, but we taste a lot of other wines worldwide. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I think we get a lot of inspiration, obviously, to get these old-style wines. When you're talking about that uh, fermentation in the puncheon, I remember meeting someone from France who said, this is how we make our wine, and they put the whole clusters in the barrel and they leave it for like three years yeah it was just amazing it was like, like girasol or something girasol fantastic wine expensive and dense but um this white wine is bright fresh and uh the acid is just right to balance that richness and i think you get the the, the oak and touch of lees contact it has a little bit of creaminess or yeah a little bread but yeast we we don't we don't stir the lees but yes it's interesting and don't not to be too technical but you know um Secondary fermentation is the malolactic, mm-hmm. so it's the malic acid get transferred from lactic acid. For whatever reason, we had the hottest here in record until you know probably this 2015. But for whatever reason, usually malic acid get degraded by the sun. Well, last year we had a lot of malic and didn't get degraded, and this one really benefit of that. And this really get that nice balance back, you know. So yeah, I love it. And uh, this is no addition. We don't do add acid or whatever. It's just the right picking time. So. Well, that's important, especially for a very warm region such as we are in Napa Valley, of course, and perhaps Australia. Gosh, there's that sun, you know, it's been, they say the sun's dying, but it seems to be getting hotter and hotter yeah. out here. Well, Andy, um, what are some of the exciting wines? You had a chance to taste Amavi and Pepper Bridge. Uh, what's your perception of the winery? I mean, straight up, you know, don't sugarcoat it, because I know, <laughs> I know it's going to be positive, right? Oh, yeah, and, and I've actually tasted those wines more recently. Uh, than I had in the past, and and I'm I'm particularly impressed with the Amavi wines, uh, for some of the styles that uh, he's making. I love the fact that he's doing a Semillon, uh, which is another underrated grape variety, and and shouldn't be. It's it's one of the great white grapes uh, in the world, and uh, so it, it warms my heart to see a a Semillon come out of Amavi. And I'll tell you what, he's got a beautiful facility there at Amavi. We just we spent a day 
what was that about two months ago? Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, driving around and seeing, and, and I love the fact that on the weekends he's got a food truck there, uh, so we can get lunch and you know eat it in the shade. Yeah, it is a little bit out there, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> you got to drive away to find a. It's like it's like ten whole miles from downtown Walla Walla. So, oh, man, and the there. traffic is horrible. Oh. I, mean, I even saw a car once when I was driving. There. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I was stuck in rush hour when they closed down. We did all the streets in downtown Walla Walla. A place so nice. Named they named it twice. You have to head out there if you haven't had a chance to visit uh, websites. JF. Yeah, we do. www.amavisellers.com. Amavisellers yeah. and pepperbridge.com. No no oh. winery, so pepperbridge.com. So, yep, yep. Awesome. When we come back from this break, we're going to dive into some uh, of the great other wines from Amavi and Pepper Ridge. And, but before I get that, uh, you mentioned Columbia Crest, and it's pretty exciting to hear that Columbia Crest is actually taking bold steps to really reinvent that in the best way possible, I'll say um, I wanted to use the term grocery store brand, but that's that's a little unfair because we've we've graduated over the last twenty years from what those used to be, and now of course through major distribution and just the people's popularity of wine, you needed him at grocery stores. So that's not a disparaging remark, but they are they make a lot of wine, so you see them all the time. So is this uh, something that's taking hold of the entire industry and everyone wants to do it, or is this? Just those who are we losing our a little tradition already? Is Woodward Canyon going to do this? Is Colcita Creek? Uh, no, I I I don't I don't know. It's it's interesting, I, and I th- and I don't think that places like Columbia Crest have ever actually stopped being innovative. And and you'll recall in two thousand nine, Wine Spectator named their two thousand five Reserve Cab the best wine in the world. Yeah, and that wasn't by accident. That was a lot of hard work by by the folks at uh, Columbia Crest. Doing vineyard sourcing, doing different types of fermentation. I'll tell you an interesting thing. I, they've they've created a reserve crush pad at Columbia Crest, and so all it it, it only runs through the wines that are going to go into the reserve uh, wines. And it's and it's gravity a, fed. And all that. Well, it's an optical sorter, Ooh. and I mean, the, very very high tech. Almost nobody else has this kind of system except for. St. Michelle. <laughs> the the older brother of the winemaking uh, scene in Washington. Well, it's such a pleasure to have Jean-Francois Pellet from Pepperbridge and Amavie and, uh, well, Andy Perdue, the wine clowns for Seattle Times. We'll come back from this break. We're going to taste some fabulous red wines, I'm sure, as I heard from Andy Perdue. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Hello, I'm John Patterson with Patterson Sellers. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KBI. The Commute with Carlson, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, it's time for round three. Hope you're having a happy hour at home or out in the road and you're uh, you're going to Uber it back. Uh, remember, life's always better with a designated driver. That's why I like drinking at home and uh, or here in studio. And I have uh, the man, the myth, the mystery, Mr. Andy Perdue, the wine columnist for the Seattle Times, and, of course, the <laughs> editor and publisher of GreatNorthwestWine.com. But uh, even more fun is I've got the winemaker, the man himself, of Amavi Cellars and Pepper Bridge, Jean-Francois Pelé, just poured me this dark, inky, purple-blue glass of uh, 2013 Walla Walla Valley Syrah. So let's talk about this wine, Jeff. Yep, yeah. So uh, two new releases for us. Uh, mostly Syrah, 98% Syrah. We add a little bit of Grenache. We have a three-quarter acre of Grenache. So uh, kind of similar for our style, you know, not overpowering. Um, 
fair amount of stem and it's a little technical but we actually really stomp the 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 the, 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 the clusters it's about 40 45 percent stem and give a more like that uh, kind of briny a little bit more like that tapenade olives characters oak wise we're about 10 percent yolk so Mm. Well, the stems also help get the little lint out of your toenails, right? Exactly. <laughs> you have to be careful because uh, you, one, one downfall of the stem, you can have a little bitterness. And yes. I, I personally don't like bitterness. I cannot drink beers. And so it's just that fine balance. Oh, right. Well, it's, yes, you're not being yeah. an IPA guy. Andy, um, let's talk about this one. I noticed right off that, well, uh, I should say, Syrah from Washington are now getting more of the true Syrah aromas that we reminisce about from France. What do you think? I, I think Washington has the best of the new world and the old world. So in th this example, the first thing I smell and taste is prosciutto, and that's classic Cote So, you know, the very top of the Rhone. Yet we've got all that rich fruit, the, the purple fruit, the molasses, everything behind it that uh, shouts new world, that shouts the ripe west coast of North America. And uh, to me, this is... This this exemplifies what we hope for in a Washington Syrah, and particularly a Walla Walla Valley Syrah. It's quite interesting because we talk about bacon and cured meats when it comes to Syrah. What do you think that's from, JF? Is that just a well, winemaking style? Or is that actually, actually, usually we put a little prosciutto when we ferment. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of, hey, bacon <laughs> makes everything better, so and prosciutto's ham or from the, the pig. and yeah, um, no, It's quite it, interesting. Yeah, I think this is really part of the, the genetic of the grapes, and obviously also I think the key is also when you pick it. This was 13, right? It was the hottest year we ever had until 14 came, okay? <laughs> so you can see those ones are right at, uh, you know, they're probably 14.5% alcohol. It's not shabby, but it's not overpowering. And I think for me as a winemaker, the key thing is picking time. And mm -hmm. you can, if you can easily, you know, what do you say, like over-extract or go more like on the super ripe, I don't want that. I want to stay somewhere on the fresh side, so... Are you playing with some of that road, rotating barrels, or is this in an egg, or what? What's the vessels here? No, actually, interesting for the Syrah, we ferment in those little square bins. It handle about one and a half ton, and we let them go. This actually has. When no you say let them go, you mean you're not temperature controlled. You're allowing them to ferment at whatever exactly. pace they go. And I think, frankly, they don't go too high, but we like to ferment a little higher with Syrah, and I think he burns those primary kind of fruity characters and let the prosciutto come back a little more. So. <laughs> Bring back the prosciutto. <laughs> well, uh, Andy, you've, you've probably had some of these uh, style of wines, and, and Washington, I believe we finally made it. We got over the precipice, I think, in uh, 10 and 11 for Syrahs, and the nines I thought were still, a little, still too generous, but uh, I mean, Ryan Van, of course, doing a great job. I'm going to use a classic wine, and these are really a thir under 30 bucks, right? They're actually a little higher now. They're about 34. Okay, yep. it's still a great deal because there's a lot of a lot of mouthfeel in here, Andy, right? Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a big wine, uh, but it also has terrific acidity. I love the minerality that's underneath all this, and and you can I, I love the fact that you can taste the dirt in Walla Walla wines, and that's. You, know, you want to taste that dirt. I was just thinking about that, too, because they said dirt. I said, wow, is that chocolate dirt? Because there's this hint of this this earthiness, but it's almost potting soil, but it's not so fertile, and you get the tannin and the acid carry through, which makes you think old world. So great work. Great job. Especially for 13, in those hot vintages, you need a lot of care because you don't want sunburn. You don't want uh, yep. heights, uh, yep. heat spikes and all that because you can't control it. The next one is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Which also 13 vintage, and same replica. I mean, uh, you know, we, we made a lot of mistakes, and we keep making some, but that we tried to learn from the one we did in the past. And those hottest here are definitely challenging. Yeah. Uh, easy to over-extract, too much tannins, too ripe. So we, the 13, we're pretty happy. Uh, 
we're lucky we have a great teams in the vineyard as well and uh, I think the canopy management has really really improved for us and uh, you know we Andy and I spent a couple hours in the, in the vineyards about two months ago you know we fluffed the canopy on the hot side we just opened earlier but not too much so I think the results of those wines are definitely the work that's been done in the vineyards Andy what are you getting out of this Cabernet Sauvignon 2013 well the first thing I get is uh, kind of a spicy Mexican chocolate on the aromas and uh, you can get a little bit of that oak but then you're also getting the the black currant, the blackberry, the boysenberry. That's more to me as a classic Washington Cabernet. And then I love the 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 focus of the tannins, everything in check. You know, for a thirteen, uh, which is so young still. You know, this this is a tasty drinking wine. This is uh, this is one that you know you definitely get out for for a seared steak. Yeah, this is drinking like a three and four year old wine. It's still got the freshness of fruit, but it's uh, the tannins are almost. Well, almost resolved, but they're still firm, but they're so gentle. Is that a pump-over technique or a pigeage punch-downs, or is that just real slow mm. what? How do you get that? Um, well, a couple of things. Vineyards first, again. Tannin management of the vineyards, but yes, uh, very gentle. You know, the wine is on gravity flow system. Um, we do we do punch down. We also do pump over, but we have irrigator now, so we do very often, but very little to really not over extract. So yeah. I love it. This is the idea of Amavi. Amavi is more like uh, you know um, ready to go. This is just a simple, different interpretation of our grapes between peppers and Amavi. But Amavi is you know early early release and ready to. To go. Yeah, that's amazing because you can have two styles, and, and I don't, I don't want to use the term, you know, second. It's or not class of yeah. It's not at all. It's a totally different project. Yeah, and that and that's different good because, because you don't want to have that perception yeah. unless, of course, you're drinking, you know, yeah. uh, Pavillon Rouge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the next one you have is from Pepper Bridge, and I'm going to talk a little more about this Cabernet Sauvignon while you pour some of the 2012 uh, Pepper Bridge Single Vineyard Cab. Or are we doing the trine first? We can we can start with uh, the Sauvignon. So we do a. Um, Fantastic. Well, before you get there, you go ahead and pour it. I'm going to wax on poetic about this Cabernet Sauvignon. The Amavi, this is what, a $45 range? or No, no, this is 34 as well. Oh, that's see, this is a great deal. So this is almost your own wine dinner. You can have the Syrah and the Amavi Cabernet, and you've got the Amavi Semillon, or is it the Enesov Blanc? Yep. No, uh, no Sauvignon. Okay. We do a Sauvignon. This is we actually the the core one is a Sauvignon Cabernet, and we do that Sauvignon, which is a little bit distributed in the Seattle market, but not very much. Well, I, I agree with Andy. Of course, Loganberry, Boysenberry. Um, there's just that that spice. It's not quite herbal. It's more of that Mexican spice. So it's a touch of the cinnamon or nutmeg or whatever the chili chili powder, perhaps. Uh, but the 2013 Amavi Cabernet Sauvignon is. Uh, um, Generous but firm and uh, structured well. Great finish. The uh, Pepper Bridge. What are we tasting now? 2012, which was um, since they start reckoning the vintages. You know, it's the perfect average kind of weather. Uh, the wine on the left is uh, 100% from the Seven Hills Vineyards. Uh, it's a blend of Cabernet mostly with a little bit Molo and Cap Franc. And the other glass, we have our Twine, which is a fairly new wine for us. We have we are three family who own both wineries. Um, Norm McKibben with his family, which is really the father of the grape growing in Walla Walla, yes, and the, vision, the visionary behind Pepperbridge Winery. The Goff family and my family. So that third wine uh, of Pepperbridge Twine, because Twine is synonymous group of three, and it's commemoration of a great partnership between the three family. Fantastic. Well, Andy, I need you to talk about this wine because I'm just like. Uh, I've been seduced. Oh, the uh, the Cabernet, the yeah. seven. No, this the, to me, this is a a classic twelve. This is this is a wine that you should buy a case of and uh, and taste 
one bottle a year for the next dozen years and see how it develops. And that's the most fun. I, I always tell people that buy at least three so you can taste it when you get home. You can taste it when you think it's ready. And you can taste it when you know it's ready. And you, you know, you're fun. But a case of wine. Um, where are we at this one? This is a single vineyard, Seven Hills Vineyard yeah. Cabernet. And you mentioned there was a little bit of Merlot and Cap yeah, so Franc. Th- those wines are made actually strictly for a wine clubs. So um, you cannot find this on retail in Seattle. But uh, yeah, those are, again, I mentioned pre- previously. Um, Seven Hills is a hot site, so again, we have to be very careful in picking. But this is, you have that fruit, but you have a little bit of minerality coming here. You know, a little bit of that dusty malt, uh, kind of a, yeah, earthy, gravelly. Um, it's there. Everything is there. Still young, baby. We got it. You can enjoy it today, but we definitely enjoy it the next 10 years. So, well, I'm yeah. certainly enjoying it, yeah. and it's such a treat to actually um, have some time to let the wines in and get a second opinion. I appreciate Andy's perspective uh, because he's very knowledgeable, uh, of course, of, of our region. And with the 30 years, and well, you got into, you got into wine at 98 or at uh, before that? Were you drinking wine in 90s? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I'd say my first great bottle of Washington wine that I drank was in 1989. Perfect. But then uh, I went, it was a Merlot, and I went back to the store to find more, and I couldn't find any. And so I went back to the beer section <laughs> for about five years. That's it. Okay. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to try, uh, well, the the Trine, which is sort of the namesake of the triumvirate of wine, uh, well, industry professionals that have created Pepper Bridge. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. And uh, remember, send us a tweet at Happy HR Radio. Hi, I'm Lance Winters with St. George Spirits, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with the fabulous Christopher Chan on 570 KBI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KBI, want to know weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, it's uh, closing on 7 o'clock, and hopefully you got that fourth round, that special something in your glass. And, you know, you don't have to pull a f- pour a full glass. You can pour a half glass and play along with us on Happy Hour Radio. And I've got uh, some good play pals here. Andy Perdue, of course, the wine calls for Seattle Times, and Jean-Francois Pelé, winemaker for Amavie Cellars and Pepper Bridge. And Jean-Francois, that uh, 2012 Seven Hills Cabernet Sauvignon, the wine club only wine, um, is absolutely beautiful. It's got elegance and depth, and uh, it's just this softness, but it's such an expression that it's like meeting somebody that's very friendly and funny, like, wow, I remember that, and that's cool. Um, that wine is delicious, but I tasted this next wine. This is called Trine. Of course, you named it after sort of a McKibben, Goff, and a, the Pele families. Tell us about this wine. Well, 08 was the first vintage of Trine, but we kind of slowly uh, increasing volume a little bit. This is about 650 cases. The, the, the interesting part of the 12 is the first time then that wine is actually Cabernet Franc-based, 37% Cabernet Franc. What was that decision based on? Um, I ultimately wanted to go there because right we, bank? we have well, we have a Molo and a Cabernet at Pepper Bridge, so we wanted to, you know if we make a third one, it has to be definitely very distinctive. So, uh, frankly, I hated Cap Franc fifteen years ago. 
I was so against Cap Franc, and obviously I is changed. That sheen on or is that <laughs> I changed my mind. I mind a little, I don't mind a little bit green, but you know, I mean, you can find a little bit herbal here, but I don't like underripe Cabernet Franc. I think through again vineyard management, clone selection, site selection, uh, Cap Franc is going to be a really, really important card for the future of the state of Washington. At least I believe, and this is what it shows. You know, it's you have that. You have that purity. You have that really nice high tone. I I kind of love it. It's you know it's it's definitely generous, but still fairly soft. Um, the clients usually really like it. So yeah. I like your clients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have clients, Andy. I I, I guess I do. I, I tune don't in. Know. <laughs> I love it. Well, give us your impression of this wine. Well, I, I love the there's there's a just the slightest amount of herbal, but it's really more of the dusty dried herb, which I think. Uh, Provides more elegance to this versus then, the pyrazines, which Cabernet yeah. Franc can right. really yeah. express. Right. And uh, and then underneath it, there's a lot of power. And, and we were talking on the break about this. And I, it, I'm guessing it was the Petit Verdot. You have what about six six percent? Six percent, and yeah. that that really gives it this oomph. Then, I mean, let, let's uh, let's come back in 30 years and see how good this wine is because I think it's going to hold up really well for the long the long haul. That's really exciting because I know that uh, for the Seattle Wine Awards, we just started the Diamond of the Decade. So we're looking back 10 years each year for part of our evaluation because I think the next um, the next salient promotional uh, aspect of Washington will be a longevity. And you're right, 30 years. This is a big, powerful wine, but it, again, your freshness and fruit profile and generosity is great, uh, approachable now. But I'm still really tasting this. And no offense to the Seven Hills Cab, which is f- beautiful and fantastic, but I'm glad we tasted it in this in this, uh, yes. this, uh, this manner. Order. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. order. It's, it's beautiful. Um, when you think about Cabernet Franc in Washington State, I know that originally my impression was that, well, we didn't know what it was. It wasn't giving it enough character. Do you think that Washington State Cabernet, should it be Right Bank? Should it be Loire Valley? Where are we in this? Because Cabernet Franc's new for, for the uh, United States. Yeah, and and uh, I, I don't know that we really need to follow any old world rules, and I'm, I'm actually I, I don't like to think about those comparisons too much because I think we're our own beast. You know, it's like with the Syrah, with the uh, you know we're we're new old new world old world, and I think we can be that way with Cabernet Franc. We we just get things riper here on the West Coast than than they do That's on the West the key Coast. Key around Europe. the world, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. and so. I don't think uh, we have to draw those right bank left bank comparisons quite as much. And I think in this case, you know, we've got we do have that dustiness that you tend to pick up with Cabernet Franc, but there's also this underlying power that you don't typically see uh, in the old world that uh, that we do in, in here and and up here in the Northwest we get the acid, we get the tannin, we get the fruit. That's that's why it's the perfect. Well, let us for not wine. forget too that Cabernet Franc is really the father of Cabernet Sauvignon, yes, exactly. yeah. Yeah. along with Sauvignon Blanc, which, which you got all three. <laughs> well, this has been a real treat, JF. Uh, you've got tasting rooms, of course. Pepper Bridge has tasting rooms and a website, and we also have actually have a tasting room for both wineries in Woodenville. Uh, that's in right, the schoolhouse. Yeah. So yeah, please come say hi. Um, Chris, our manager, will love to greet you there. Is that seven days a week? Or seven you... days a week, yep. <laughs> Chris, yeah. he's got his cot in the back. <laughs> and Andy, we can find your... How often are you doing updates and posts for uh, Great Northwest Wine? We we publish four times a day. Four times a day? Is that yep. like 10, 2, 4, and 6? Uh, something like that. We start at 5.30 in the morning and go from there. Okay, wow, really risers. Yeah, you got that. Uh, you truly are Eastern Washington. Well, uh, such a pleasure to have you both. I'm um, really thrilled that the auction of Washington wines went so well. We had a great time. It was perfect weather. And uh, I wish you the best of luck. I look forward to seeing you, uh, JF, at in, in Walla Walla. And Andy Purdue, we'll get you back in a chair on our tasting panel for the Seattle Wine Awards. Thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. My honor. 
What a treat um, to, uh, well, stalwarts and, and stars who are promoting Washington wine in the best ways, uh, sharing with consumers, but also producing world-class juice. And that's what counts. And Happy Hour Radio, we're all about world-class. So uh, when you're out and about, uh, tell friends about our radio show, our little time together. It's one hour every Saturday night, 6 to 7. And if you have missed the show, it's happyhourradio.net. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week on the radio. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.